Cheers cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Diane, Diane, uh, I wouldn't try too hard to uh, domesticate the guy. You're going against eons of biology on this one. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, well, you know, early cavemen, they went out and uh, hunted for the very food that graced a simple table. You know, the women stayed in the cave and developed their art, culture, what have you. Now, but men down to the centuries have always been hunters, you know, doers, adventurers. Kajito, it is not in man's nature to sit alone and uh, be passive and docile. What's the matter now? Uh, nothing, it's just my shorts are binding up on me. <laughs> stand up and straighten them out a little. Nah, I'll give them five minutes. Sometimes they self-correct. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and here to help me cover Season 2, Episode 7, titled Old Flames, is a gentleman who knows a thing or two about beer because he's built drinking into the framework of his podcast. You know him as one half of Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. Please welcome Rick Heineken. What's up, man? Not much, except I am going to disappoint you and all the fans that I am not actually drinking a beer tonight right now because I've already drank like about five or six <laughs> earlier in the night, at which point I realized, oh, dear God, I am actually going to be on a podcast tonight. I cannot be as drunk as I am right now. So <laughs> I had I for- to reel I it in. I forgive you because you're bringing the sense of commitment and profound professionalism that you decide not to be a slobbering drunk on the show yet. I, I like to work that up throughout the course of the show and get a little more hammered as it's going on and not start off the show slurring the words. I switched to water for the evening uh, just so that I could actually go to work tomorrow as well. But uh, I, I had a couple of really good um, Imperial Stout bourbon barrel aged beers, one from uh, Breakside Brewery, which is a local brewery right nearby my house. And it's um, based on their salted caramel stout, which is fantastic. And they took that, put it in a bourbon barrel, aged it for a while. Oh, it's so tasty. Uh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, yeah, and, and I, I mean, I'll confess, even for being the, the Cheers cast host, I am not generally a big beer drinker. It's not my pr- it's not my preference, usually. Mm-hmm. I, I go more for like cocktails or mixtures. Actually, just bourbons and whiskeys are, are usually my go-to thing. So I did actually bring one, and I usually I usually start drinking hard after the recording session, you know, depending on how, how the guest does. Um, but 
<laughs> but no, this time I actually I did have a drink, and um, just because it was like the the closest open bottle, but I thought it was appropriate for this episode. I just went with Red Stag from Jim Beam, the Black Cherry. I think like Kid Rock's drink of choice, something like Very that. Very nice. But I thought Very nice. Stag. That yes, that seems like appropriate for this episode. Yeah. I will say I will say that it has. It has really challenged me because I'm the one who brings the beers to our show, and I surprise my co-host, Jeff, with whatever beer I bring. But it's not just any old beer that I bring to the show. I try to find one that does match up with the issue that we're reading. And sometimes it's a little bit of a stretch, but it really forces me to go out there and search for something that's, that will somehow match up with the show itself. So I applaud you, sir. I applaud you <laughs> on your choice. All right. So uh, before we actually get into this episode – what is your Cheers origin story? How, when did you discover it? What did it mean to you? Why did you want to be on this podcast? Well, growing up in the 80s, like many of your prior guests, I mean, I was a, I was a fan of watching the primetime television like everybody else and, you know, growing up, be sitting down in front of the TV, watching it at, late at night. And for me, Cheers was always that show that was on before Night Court. I think growing up, I was always a little bit I was a little bit more into the slapstick of Night Court, but I was not discounting Cheers at all because that was a, just a two-pack for me. Mm-hmm. I was watching Cheers. I was watching Night Court, and I cannot remember when exactly I started watching them. It's just that I was always watching them. And in my mind, it's like there was Night Court, there was Cheers. That was the evenings that I was watching, and I was always looking forward to watching those shows because they were funny, and I couldn't figure out why they were funny. But <laughs> <laughs> once I became an adult, then I realized, oh, this is why. For me, my fondest memory was really the Cheers 200th episode, the clip show. Yeah. I recorded that episode when it came out because I knew that this is going to be a big thing. I recorded on a VHS tape and I wore that thing out. I might still actually have it in my room (laughs) in the next room over, but I would watch that thing repeatedly. And now that I'm actually spending the time with your show and going through episode by episode, there is certain scenes in each episode. I'm like, that's from the clip show. I that's know from exactly the clip what show. you're talking about. I had that same experience. And, and for me, it's fantastic because I'm like, oh my God, I finally see the context that this ep- that these clips were in. And I'm even happier with this episode because there's two of the clips that are in this show. <laughs> and that just that amazed me. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting the second one. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I had the same experience. Too. And a lot of it, I mean, I, I've mentioned it before, I was watching the, the whole Thursday must-see lineup. But there was definitely a time, you know, when I was at that age where I preferred Night Court just because it was a little bit slapstickier. It was a little bit goofier, <laughs> a little bit raunchier and more salacious and everything. It took me a little while to realize, you know, Cheers is smarter. I like Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, there was definitely the time. And no kid, I mean, you're not the first person to mention the, the Cheers, the 200th uh, episode special. A lot of other people have talked about that. But I'm, I'm the same way. I recorded it on VHS. I watched it over and over again. And for a long time, that was my window into the Diane years. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I really started focusing in once Rebecca had come in, then I would watch the repeats and everything. But for a long time, I just – I knew – these past episodes, like this one in particular, through those few like thirty second clips of like a dialogue or something, or you know, right. spoiler alert. I mean, a very famous line or phraseology comes from this episode when Diane says, "I hate you with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns." <laughs> and you're right, I forgot about that one. That's the third one. There's actually three pieces that are in this one. Yeah. 
because that, that line hit and I was writing it down. I was going, I know this line from somewhere. That was where it was from. It's from that as well. Yeah, and that, that line is like quoted and rephrased and, and like added to. Like, yeah, so uh, we'll see. But there, oh. there was one thing I wanted to mention, just real quick anecdote aside from everything else. Like I mentioned before, earlier tonight I was at a friend's house. Our, our daughters were playing, and it was another couple, and they are originally from Boston. And of course, once I mentioned, I was like, oh, cheers. Oh my God, I'm on a podcast tonight. It's about cheers. Everyone's kind of laughing and like, really? On cheers? Yeah. Hey, you're from Boston. What was it like being in Boston and growing up and seeing cheers? What did people in Boston think of it? And they both said, you know, because they're about my same age, they're like, growing up, Everybody loved it because it was such a good representation of the Boston pub life. Mm-hmm. That was what they were like. That It fit in perfectly to the culture that they knew about and heard about. I mean, they weren't at the age where they could drink in the pubs, but they right. heard about it. And, and it really was representational of what they knew and what they thought about it. I did mention, too, I said, well, what about the accents? Because there's really only one guy on there <laughs> that's got a quote unquote Boston accent. And their thought was, you know, you either have a Boston accent because you're from Boston or you can fake one really well or you go all in faking it. There's no in between. <laughs> <laughs> and with Cliff, it's like, yeah, he's faking it, but he's just going all in on it. And <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> so I, just, I thought it was very interesting. Just I wanted to bring that to the show because it's nice hearing that outside perspective from people who were there in that culture and what they thought of it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great. Yeah, thanks. So. Okay, uh, Season 2, Episode 7, Old Flames. This episode is written by David Angel, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November 17, 1983. After Diane takes Sam to an art gallery, Cliff tells her she's a fool to try and domesticate Sam, that men have always been doers and hunters. And speaking of which, Sam's old friend Dave Richards, played by Fred Dreyer, visits Cheers to tell Sam he's newly single again and looking to go prowling for women with his old friend. Sam is so caught up with memories of their past together that he's on his way out the door before he sees Diane and remembers he's off the market. Dave is shocked that Sam would give up his womanizing prowess for fidelity to someone like Diane and vows that he will break them up in the next 24 hours. When Sam and Diane reaffirm their commitment not to break up, Dave asks Sam for an old girlfriend's phone number, prompting Sam to reveal that he still keeps his little black book of past women. Diane asks Sam to get rid of the book, which he refuses to do, causing them to fight. After Cheers closes for the night and Diane has left, Dave returns with two women, trying to hoist one of them off on Sam. The next day, Sam confesses to Diane that he took the other girl home and almost slept with her before realizing that he loved Diane more. Curiously, Diane does not seem thrilled by this confession, and they break up just in time for Dave's return. But rather than accept defeat and return to his womanizing, Sam apologizes and manages to win Diane's heart back, if only for a matter of seconds before they start fighting again. Meanwhile, in a subplot, Norm starts seeing a woman while finding every opportunity to sneak back to Cheers for a beer during his dates. Uh, okay, I mean, uh, folks, just to give you a preview of what you're, I, I think we've already said that we are just going to spend the next couple of minutes just gushing over this episode. 
and rightly so, because my first note is David Angel won the Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a a Comedy Series for this episode uh, at the Emmys for 1984. And with good reason. (laughs) It's such a good episode. I mean, It's funny. It is very, very funny. Uh, As far as really pushing along any long-term plot, it just kind of adds to the will they or won't they break up. Mm-hmm. But it it just is joke after joke after joke and ridiculousness at the same time. Right, right. And, and I mean, coming off of, I mean, recent episodes that preceded this, we had the return of Andy Andy, the psycho killer, for <laughs> doing a scene from Othello. That was a great episode. We yes. Had, we had the return of Sumner. Diane's, you know, fiance came back. That was a terrific episode. But this one, I mean, we're only up to seven episodes of the season so far, but this one is by far the best. Um, and it... It kills me that Fred Dreyer is really just known for playing that character Hunter, this mm-hmm. basically the TV version of Dirty Harry, because he played it on TV for so long, you know, multiple runs and TV movies and reunions and everything, and kind of that's what he thinks. But he is so damn funny, and I kind yeah. of think like when seeing this, like in a parallel world, he auditioned for the part of Sam. He would have been Sam. And it's, yeah. it's it's crazy, but he, he's just and I wouldn't change that for a world for the world because no. obviously Ted Danson is irreplaceable. He is Sam, but Fred Dreyer is so good at David. He's just everything like the the way he smiles. It's just got this like, charming like goofishness. Yeah, it, it's a charming goofiness with just an oily salesman at the same time. <laughs> Part of that uh, is the all, plaid polyester jacket. <laughs> you, yeah, the, the the costuming goes a long way in this. But at the same time, the actor has the ability to say some absolutely ridiculous lines with a straight face and that is the one key with his character is he plays into the fact that he's an idiot mm-hmm. or, or the actor plays in the fact that the character is an absolute idiot and he says some lines that just are nope that's that's not right but he says it with such conviction and such you know believability on himself and he get away with it because he's got that glint in his eye and the wry smile on his face and the absolute salesman to sell every line when he first comes into the bar, when he first comes in, he's like, hey, sports fans, or he makes a, a comment uh, to Tiny, he says, hey, Wonder Buns. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, but when he starts engaging with Norman Cliff, they're like, what was that line? And and I've when, got it down. Yeah, when uh, when he appeared in the first season episode, uh, when I covered that, Paul Spataro was my guest. And Paul made a particular note that when Dave was on camera, when he went into his sportscaster mode, his voice noticeably changed. And it went and it yep. like a deeper octave. And he, he got this serious look. And Diane actually made fun of him for that. He repeats that. He does that again, even though he's not on camera. It's just when he's repeating the line for Norm. He's like, yeah. Good night and remember, the world is full of winners and losers. Let's hope you are one of them. <laughs> Which is, and, and and that goes into another one of my funny little moments of this thing, too. They pass the buck back and forth. But yeah. it's the fact that he could say this line that's ridiculous and stupid. And yeah. he says it with such sincerity. And the, even those guys are realizing, yeah, he he really said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, like later on, when he's confronting Sam and Diane and trying to like, like, like kind of he's blown over by the preposterousness that these two opposites are together and he's putting it right out in front of her he's like you can't give an old leopard new stripes and, and the why do we of- both have the same lines written <laughs> because they're so good they're emmy winning lines of course and the look on diane's face when she's like and she actually put she's like why are we talking to this man well, she makes the comment, you know, uh, she's like, I can't believe the conversations could get any lower in this bar. And he comes in. Well, oh, there we go. 
<laughs> because he's here. But there's also he's not just dumb. There's an earnestness. There's a sincerity yes. to it about it. And like the, because right after he does the leopard and the stripes, like his line right after that, he tells Diane, he's like, "I I don't have a problem with you. I don't have anything against you personally. I just want my old buddy back." You know, right. he's not he's not coming in as the villain of the piece. He is the antagonist because he's sort of the obstacle. But yeah. he harbors he just wants to hang out with his friend and 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 have a little what he considers harmless fun. And he wants to relive the old times that they had together mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Go back to those fun times and everybody else at the bar, you know, trying to live vicariously through those times as well. You're right. And it's but, you see how seductive and how quickly Sam falls into that trap too. Oh yeah. I mean, Dave comes in and it, <laughs> He's that friend that nobody really wants you to be with because, you know, that's not the friend you want to be with because he's a, you know, he's going to be bad for you. But at the same time, you can't see it because he's so much fun (laughs) and he represents that point in time that, you know, you could go and do those kinds of things or you were like that and that wild and crazy things that you could do that, you know, skirting the law, uh, skirting any right and moral ways of doing things and just having a good time and having fun with it. And he absolutely calls Sam and Diana on exactly what their relationship is. He brings the question into what we as the viewers already know. These two really shouldn't be together? Yeah, like, like, <laughs> why, like why? What is it so special? And he calls it, she's like, you're, he says something to the, he's like, you must be really hot stuff or something. And like, Sam, you know, has to defend her. He's like, cool, I cool it. But why Sam is so quick to fall into that trap, I, I think structurally, David Angel did a really good job because we, he sets it up before Dave shows up when they first get back. They're coming back from an art gallery mm-hmm. and Diane is making this big show. She's like, you know, Sam is really growing. She, he's really maturing and coming to this new appreciation of art. And Carla's quick to challenge him on it. She's like, name right. one piece of art you saw today. And Sam is... <laughs> Two muscular guys touching fingers. Yeah. yeah. And even that, she's like, name one piece of art in the world. And he's like, yeah. Michelangelo's two muscular guys touching right. fingers. <laughs> at no point in time at the beginning when they come back, do you see that Sam was... You know, he never has a look like he was bored or that he hated it. He comes back in and it looks like he absolutely had a fantastic time with Diane. He wasn't out there to look at the art. He was out there to actually just spend time with Diane. Right. She was having a good time with where they were. He was having a good time being with her. And right. I think that's the piece of what sells these two together. She thinks she's you know giving him this art and she's culturing him. He just really just enjoys her company. And right. once you challenge him on explaining it, that's when he gets flustered and he can't because you know that's going to admit things that he doesn't want to admit. Right, and I think why that hurts her so much is she real she realized that you know she's not necessarily teaching him, she's not right. elevating him in her esteem or you know you know culturally mm-hmm. or, or intellectually or something like that. She's not you know making him uh, you know improve his station or something through her influence. He's just enduring that because right. he likes her. And I think that that's probably one of the things that, in the end, it ends up being part of the problem is she wants him to change more. He just wants to be with her. If she could just accept the fact that he wants to be with her and she wants to be with him and leave it at that, they'd probably be quite happy together. But that's never going to happen. Right. Because everybody wants the other to change. Well, she wants him to change. And I don't necessarily think he wants her to change, but everybody else in the bar would like her too. Oh, definitely. Well, maybe not Coach. (laughs) <laughs> no, coach. Yeah, coach doesn't have pass judgments on people that way. You're right. No, <laughs> and he honestly um, he wouldn't even know the difference. <laughs> no. Did Did you notice a theme, or is this just my theme that I noticed that there is a theme of betting with this episode? Yeah, there's a lot because Norman There's Cliff five. Passed, oh, five instances. Five. Yeah, 
we got Norm saying that Sam has lost the bet that he's going to the museum. Uh, there's the bet that Sam actually knows the artwork. That's another bet. Uh, the good night and remember the world is full of winners and losers. <laughs> yeah. The bet with breaking up Diane and Sam. And then the, the bet that Sam and Diane have themselves that they can go 24 hours without fighting. Oh, gosh, I didn't even count all of those, but you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> – that was definitely the theme of the, the challenge and the bet and the exchange. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that Norm – I think that uh, it's uh, Norm and uh, Cliff's passing back and forth to the They bus. put it that, on Front Street, yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was fantastic right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that was good. But one thing I noticed in, in viewing this episode, and it's really, really in the background, it's the – one guy who's drinking the background, and his name's Al Rosen. Yep. He's the rummy who's got the black hat on. Yep. He is constantly in the background through here. And he's just one of those characters as he's drinking, he's seeing everything that's going on in the bar, and he's laughing at all the jokes. And he you does. just see him right back there, and it's perfect. He has got the most adorable old man baby face smile because right. you know he and, and as much as he's listening to them he's just cracking up and every time you look at him he's just he's got that goofy smile um and he's and he's got just that look of like that old rummy that you would see <laughs> in the bars kind of a thing you know he's got the big bulbous nose the hat that's you know pushed back mm-hmm. and he just has that look you know he's holding the glass it looks like he is six pints into whatever he's drinking and <laughs> He's just there to enjoy the scenery of the bar. Like the, I don't even know if they count as like tertiary characters, but Al for the first couple of seasons, and unfortunately he passes away during the length of the show, uh, mm-hmm. and is replaced by another older character named Phil for the later seasons. And they're some of my favorites, just like yes. when they they rarely do anything other than sit there, but when they do something, it's it's priceless. Um, jumping back to Norm's little subplot, uh, because it comes up <laughs> twice, and I just kind of want to get a, it's actually the teaser for this episode. Uh, he comes in, and he says, he, you know, he started dating, he, you know, gets his beer and everything, and he says he started dating this girl that he met from the old accounting firm when he got fired or something. Her name is Arlene Horsley. <laughs> Fantastic name. Yeah, that is. That's and and we all character. know exactly what she looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he says, you know, we finally got to see Gandhi and everything. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's nice. That's, that's a, a fine great piece. Movie. Fine yeah, movie. Yeah. Oh, so, hey, I got to go because, yeah. you know, uh, no, why, he, why are you leaving? He downs, his, he downs his beer and he's like, all right, I got to go. And they're like, where, where are you off to in such a hurry? He's like, I got to go get back to my date with Arlene. And they're like, where is she? She's watching Gandhi. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just out to get popcorn. And I'll see you guys a bit later when I have to go out and get juju beans. Yeah. And it's perfect. It's just a perfect little done in one everything, perfect little setup and everything. And what like the callback to it later on at the back half of the episode, Norm is just sitting at the bar, and Coach is like, "Hey, how come you're not out with Arlene tonight?" And Norm just thinks about it, like, "Oh God, I am." <laughs> Where did you leave her? I can't remember. It's like a circus. He names we're in a balcony he's, he's, somewhere. He says, "Oh, the circus." No, no, that's tomorrow night. Balcony somewhere. Ah, oh, figured out. <laughs> off and it's oh it's just so good such a, a perfect little use of his character in just a few little short scenes um the other thing besides that and besides the betting is norman cliff have their reactions to the little black book yes um yes which of course that, that has come up before and here it is used as an inciting dev- inciting obstacle the- because the fact that sam still has it 
it, and it's and it's the Grail Diary is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like they're blinded by the light when they see it. Like they have to hold their hands up and everything. Yeah, and then and then during the fight that Sam and Diane have, Diane grabs it out of Sam's hands. Says, "Well, you should just throw it away." Walks over, hands it to Cliff. Cliff is holding it for you know a couple of seconds before you know before Sam just comes over. Grabs it out of his hand, not even thinking anything of it. Grabs it out of his hand, but that's enough because Cliff has now been touched by the holiest of holies. <laughs> and a parade starts with Norm behind him just saying, he has touched it. He has touched it. I can see now. <laughs> I can see. Norm, I can walk. I can walk. It's like Cliff is walking. And they start like, yeah, they're parading like down the hall towards the pool room. And everybody else is getting the kick out of this. Oh, yeah, because this is – they know what it is. They know what's going on. <laughs> But yeah, the way they they live vicariously through Sam, it's when it's done right, it's done really, really well, and that's just and, a and there's, perfect little. And short there's a thing. couple of and there's a couple of scenes where they do that through this movie or this show. Yeah. They've got the scene, that scene, and then they have the other scene where uh, Sam and Dave are talking about all of their um, their best nights, you know, their, the their best nights, nights and yeah. what was the best nights, and they're they're egging them on. Tell yeah. us more about them. Yeah. Well, Fourth of July in Chicago or something. Yeah, yeah, and it was, like, and, that was quality. But what about quantity? You know, quantity. Minneapolis. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> and what's and what about the one that mixes the two? Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. So we talked about the three lines or the three gags that made it to the clip show. And they are all great gags. The first one that that I forgot that you mentioned was where uh, Diane was really angry at Sam and she says, "I hate you with the white hot intensity of 1000 suns," which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> to which he responds, "Somebody's cranky." cranky. <laughs> In the sing-song voice and everything. <laughs> which is the wrong thing to say at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but we have that one and we have the other one where Sam has tried to run out the door with Dave and and gets caught by Diane and He's trying to, you know, uh, play it off like it didn't really happen. Didn't really happen at all. It was an out of body experience. Yeah, out of body experience. And like, coach, I'm having blackouts. And coach's response: It's kind of a nice break in the day, isn't it? Straight <laughs> <laughs> <Very> dead. <laughs> kind of a and nice then break in the day. The final. Uh, it's Norm sitting there, and he starts grunting. And Cliff asking what's going on, and Norm says, "Oh, my shorts have bound up on me." <laughs> it's like, well, just you know, stand up. You know, nobody, will, nobody will like look, or nobody's looking. Just like stand up and adjust them. Yeah, I'll give it five minutes. Sometimes they self-correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the be, beyond the actual imagery that evokes or, or what, it, what it's doing, because that the whole thing is followed. It's, it comes right after Cliff is saying men were not meant to be passive and docile, exactly. and that's what Norm is doing. He's like he won't even stand up to rearrange his his underwear that's bunching up on him. But but what works is the third man, in this case Diane, just watching this and the crestfallen <laughs> look on her face. Like every time she thinks she's you know she's above this or she's you know she's bringing some modicum of culture to these people she's like this is what i'm reduced to and i can't even get my boyfriend to know like one piece of jackson pollock art or something like that after an afternoon yeah. there is there is one one piece that we didn't forget one of the storylines we did forget and that's the carpooling oh. it's probably the, the the c plot line of this entire thing it's it's the scene with coach and carla uh, that they are carpooling together. And so they're leaving the bar at night and they have an entire scene with coach. Did you remember your keys? I got it all worked out. It's okay. I left the keys in the car. Oh my God. Why'd you do that? You know, the car could be taken. It's okay. I locked the doors. Well, do you have a second set? Yeah. Oh my God. They're over on the bar. And he has to run back and get him. Then he says, well, let's hurry up because you know, I left the windows down. <laughs> 
But then the next day, you know, it, it happens again. Is coach, you forgot to pick me up this morning. Oh, that's okay. You can forget to pick me up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's a lot that's packed into this thing, and it's done as almost like just another day in the bar with this A-line storyline with Diane and Sam having a having to go 24 hours without fighting. And that's what makes it good is there's so much packed in there to make it feel like it's actually a bar that's thrumming and hot and and running and all these people have their own things going on. There's a lot of little tiny storylines that are bouncing around there. Nothing always too big, nothing, you know, that's earth-shattering except for the big overarching bet, but that's what makes it good. Yeah. It does. You know, it feels yeah. lived in. So in contrast to that, when the bar is at its emptiest after closing that night, you know, Diane has left for all intents and purposes. They're, they're really kind of on the rocks and Sam is alone. Dave comes back with two beautiful women and uh, Valerie and Dee Dee. And he comes up to him and this is, you know, we point out that Dave is an idiot and kind of like, no, knows that. But he's like, you know, I, I'm down. He's like, I'm one. How does he phrase it? He's like, I, I'm one lady too many or something. I got to throw one back. Can you help me mm-hmm. out? Seems like get out of here, man. He's like, normally I wouldn't ask you this. I wouldn't ask this of you, but Valerie thinks I'm complex. <laughs> it's like like that live delivery, and he has like this this kind of like mischievous grin. And it's like you know what that means. If a woman thinks that I am intelligent, then this is going to be the easiest sex I've ever had. <laughs> like, so, that just Valerie thinks I'm complex, and, like, and even he knows, and even he's on on the joke on that one. He's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, so he he slips off with her, get in the Dave mobile. He calls it. God leaves uh, leaves Dee Dee with Sam, and he's like, "Where?" He's like, "I'll take you home." Where do you live? She's like, "Chicago." Chicago. He's like, "What?" He's like, "Chicago." It's in Illinois. He's like, "I know where it is." And then of course she's a stewardess. She's staying at the hotel. She gets him. Oh, Dave told me that you were fun. Yeah, he's like, "I used to be fun," but and then he kind of like thinks about. He's like, "Now I'm really fun," and they go off together, and you think they they're gonna sleep together. Cut to later on, he, he, he pours his heart out to Diane, and I love how giddy Sam is when he's telling her this story. And you see it. You see the look on her face and how this is transformed. And I was like, right. he is just completely oblivious. Why does he think this is going to go well? He's like, And God. you can see the hurt on her face, yeah. too. She's like, she's really hurt by this. She's like, I oh, left, my gosh, what's going on? I left with a beautiful woman. We went back to my place. We were in the bed. She was ready and willing. I was ready and willing. And all of a sudden, I thought about you and i said didi i can't do this i already got a chick <laughs> right and diane's response is which i kind of felt was a little out of character for her, but she spits on him yeah she spits <clears> i almost face. felt like it would have been better if it was a slap or something i don't know the spitting seems not quite her but yeah i i, I was surprised at her restraint i thought she would have gotten more physical at that point but yeah mm-hmm. I, I did the the spitting does definitely connote the, the disgust and the level the, right. the hurt and because she's almost in tears when she says, how could you? <laughs> um, and he's like, you don't understand what this means for me. <laughs> but, ah, gosh, yeah. And, and oh, oh yeah, I, I forgot about the other great moment when, when she actually sees the, the book earlier on in the episode when she has the right. book and she's like, why do you still have this? And he's trying to play defense. He's trying to defend it. He's like, sweetie, honey, this is my address book. I have emergency contact numbers in here. I forget the name, but she points out one of the names. Who is this? Um, oh, she's a plumber. <laughs> and Carla's line, the only plumber that actually you, you make house calls to her house. <laughs> yes. And I love this moment because she's like, you know, what, what service does Diane Mendelssohn provide or something? And she's yes. looking right at Sam. 
and without blinking, without flinching, without changing, just deadpan, straight face, poker face, he just goes, she's an all-night plumber. Yes. And you see she gets furious. Like, you see it on her face. And he didn't cry. He didn't give her any reason to nope. suspect that he was lying, but she knows that he is, and that's oh. why she's mad. Because oh, she, yeah. he can lie that blatantly and that coldly about something like this. And it's like that moment between them where he gives her nothing. He's just deadpan lying to her face, and she knows it, and that's why she's pissed. Oh. It doesn't help that Carla comes in with a nice <laughs> hit right there. I mean, that's... The only plumber you have to go to her place. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. I, like I said, watching this with my wife, I, we were laughing hysterically the entire time, and I was very thankful that whoever your guest was bailed on it because I was like, I'd love to do this episode. This is great. Ah, uh, yeah, it's so good. I mean, like... Yeah, there's so many parts about this that you know could be like the the favorite moment. There was one other Dave line that he has towards the end when he comes in and it, he like walks in just as they've said we're breaking up and everything, and they're like, "Damn it!" and they're like, "Feel defeated." And Sam is saying, you know, he he refuses to give it. He he says that he wants her back. It's something and. Or, or he's tr- he's trying to convince them that they're still together and everything. And Dave has this line. He's like, "Come on, you two. I get along better with my wife, and we've exchanged gunfire." Gunfire. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he's got the last line of the episode too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Sam, of course, he's he's like, "Come on!" Like after Diane, after he sort of placates Diane and wins her back by confessing his real feelings. Now he he's like, "Hang on, Dave. I want to show you something." And he kisses her gives diane this long passionate kiss and and mm. dave is just perfectly it's like yeah dd said you were the best kisser she ever had and, and he's then out the she door. bites his lips <laughs> ah, and, it's, and he's like squirming to get away from it and it's like it, the, the follow-up of that like she because it's like the attack because as soon as he breaks free his his he gets a golf club out to like defend himself to, like say he's like ow that was like yeah <laughs> that was that was intense perfect and just vicious yeah it's it's almost amazing that yeah i I can't remember the rest of the series i'm watching this one week at a time with you um it's like if their relationship can can last through this what exactly was it that broke them up at the end (laughs) because i just it just almost seems like you can't get any worse than the hurricane known as dave um it's I mean, without yeah. without foreshadowing, we'll I mean, it's there are a couple of moments later in the season when Di- when Sam has reasons to not trust her is right. really the thing that puts it over the edge. But yeah, I mean, it's I mean, we've gone through this episode and every like you said, every line is quotable. Every line is you know magic. Uh, it d- deserved to win the Emmy for which it did. Yeah. So yeah, deserved to you know receive so much respect in a clip show. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean. Uh, the next thing that I would do would just be like, you know, basically doing a script reading of the episode. So yeah. before we get into like the superlative categories, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention? I think that hit all of my notes. I, like I said, I, I, I was laughing hysterically just at the fact that we have a lot of the same lines. You, yeah. know, you cannot give a leopard new stripes. <laughs> uh, the good night. Remember just, there's so many great things in here. I was just typing up notes and, and then, Afterwards, I have to watch it again to get all the notes I missed. Yeah, I mean, it's those just are... a funny, funny episode, and there's a lot of good moments in there. Yeah. With as much comedy as in there, like you said, the two scenes, the scene at the end and the scene um, when they're alone at night in the bar, or when Sam's alone at night in the bar with the, with the stewardess, those are like the two dramatic moments, you might say. Those are big set pieces, and there's still so much comedy in this thing. Yeah. 
I mean, those have been... I, I mean, I know when an episode is good is when I'm taking my notes and I find myself just writing down lines of dialogue. Yeah. When, like, that is the, the bulk of my notes. I'm like, boy, this episode, it's, it's, it'll only be hard to talk to in that it's just not just repeating every funny line for the, for the audience. <laughs> but, um, yeah. If you haven't seen this one, see it, because it's good. You better, you better. Uh, then just getting into the other notes, uh, the guest cast, there are only two featured guests in this one. Uh, Dave Richards, played by Fred Dreyer, making his second out of a total of four appearances. Uh, and he's one that, I mean, just based on the evidence, I, I wish they could have used him more. Um, and then the character of Dee Dee, who goes home with Sam, played by Elizabeth McIver. She only has a few IMDb credits, and it looks like several of them were, like, Australian TV shows. Uh, so I'm thinking that, A, she probably was Australian. Um, and, like, yeah, that was just kind of, like, her limit in the 80s and 90s was just doing some of those. But Norm's tab, I clocked him at four beers for this episode, which puts him at 147 for the series at this point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he had a, he had a couple of double digits uh, numbers back to back earlier this season. So, uh, and then getting into our employee of the week, uh, I mean, this is going to be easy and tough. But I mean, Rick, what did you think? Who did you think was the best? I, I know that it probably should be Dave, but at the end of the day, there was a level of sliminess that I just couldn't help. <laughs> like he's just too slimy to be my my employee of the week. I had to go with Norm. Okay. And that is just because Norm had some of the funniest gags and the funniest moments. His little, you know, secondary plot was perfect. Uh, just kind of helping to embody the busyness of the bar, of everything else going on in everybody else's li- lives. You know, between him, Coach, and Carla, and, and just the little bits he did with him and, and Cliff. I had to go with Norm, and it goes into what my favorite moment was as well. Right, but I had to do him. So I I was there with you in that I wanted to give it to Dave because every line was a gem. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, I was like, all right, well, that's, you know, quantity versus quality. When I right. went quantity, I didn't, give, I didn't give it to Dave. I actually went with Sam uh, for some of the same things that we talked about. His, the scene, like when he, how quick he has to transform when he sees Diane, he's like, when he's yep. trying to convince her that he wasn't really going out the door and he's having blackouts, his changing persona, when he's trying to convince her that, they, you know, the little black book is just his address book and how he's lying to her how giddy and excited he is to reveal that he didn't have sex with her that he didn't cheat on a woman that he got just to the point and did like all of those things like his his transformation like he just have he had a really kind of meaty performance in this one for not being overly dramatic but just like the comedic beats were there and the mood shifts and everything i just thought that sam did a great job in this one so i i agree with you on that one sam had a lot of fantastic moments and and he was really moving the his acting chops around so i I don't begrudge you that one at all. Then what was your highlight, your home run, your best line or best gag? I got to say the follow-up with Norm forgetting his date. (laughs) Forgetting where he left his date and the fact that it was just a follow-up hit from that earlier, you know, uh, (laughs) teaser at the beginning. That was perfect. And it was out of nowhere, too. It's just like, hey, wait, you know, what's your next date? Oh, God, I forgot her. (laughs) I'm on the date right now. Yeah, and he'd strange. been in there for a while too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his beer is almost empty. He'd been there for probably a couple of them. No, that's 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 beautiful. Um, for mine, it is a Dave line, and luckily it is one. Somehow, it's one that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, but it's after he gets the the address for the other girl from Sam. He kind of walks over to Diane. And he's like, "Hey, 
name he calls her or something, seeing as how you'll probably be broken up tomorrow and you'll be available, and he doesn't even get to ask her out. She says something. She's like, I would rather be staked out on an anthill naked. And Dave's response, he he looks to Sam. He's like, see how they always manage to get the word naked in there? (laughs) (laughs) So slimy. It's so good. It's so good. Like, because he's, uh, he's heard this before. That's just uh, he's yeah. like for him. That's a victory. That's validation. The fact that yeah. she went there, she she put herself naked in this event. He's like, see, I'm yep. getting to her. I'm I, I have an effect on her. And Sam has to kick him out. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, oh. old flames. Such a good episode. Rick, thank you for being my guest on this one and talking about this one. This it is my pleasure. Anytime, anytime at all. I enjoy this series. I enjoy what you do. I enjoy this entire network so thank you very much for everything you do absolutely where else can people find you in the podcastosphere well we do a little show called unpacking the power of power pack where we talk about the most underrated comic book from the 80s power pack while we drink beer it's a laugh um and it's family friendly too so figure that one out Uh, but you can find us there at uh unpacking the power of power pack or you can find me on twitter at jeff rick present or at our website, jeffrepresent.wordpress.com. All right. Thank you one more time for being on the show. Listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. You can support the show on Facebook and Twitter, and you can leave a comment on the post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Until next time, we're closed. Well, Diane, I'm glad that jerk came by today. Moments like that make me realize what a good thing we got going here. Why do you still have that thing? What's that, babe? The book. (laughs) Why are you keeping it? Sweetheart, this is my address book. I've got emergency numbers in this. What emergency service does Wanda Mendelssohn render? She's an all-night plumber. She's the only plumber in Boston. You have to go to her house. Hey, Carla, 